Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. This is episode 138, and today we're going to talk about fly rod choices for small warm water streams now that might sound like a very specific and niche kind of conversation but i would suspect that a lot of people fish in this way Uh, and i'll explain what i mean by that here in a few minutes but i want to start the podcast with a couple of quick administrative notes the first one is that this is episode 138 as i've already mentioned which means that we're two episodes away from episode 140 and on that episode i will Uh, interact with listener and reader feedback comments things like that so if you have a question uh, it can be about anything fly fishing related you know the quarry or the culture of fly fishing uh, anything else i've talked about something uh, just random i'd be more than happy to hear it and three things three or four things i usually interact with on the podcast of course if uh, you reach out i'm going to respond in one way or another but just wanted to put that out there uh, because i've had some very good feedback recently that i've been able to interact with it's made for some good podcasts it's the kind of thing where i really enjoy doing it but i don't want to make this a Q&A. Uh, podcast. Anyway, uh, that's the first thing. Second thing, ratings and reviews. I love it. I appreciate it. It's fun to read them, even if they're one sentence long. And that's it's just a lot of lot of good stuff. So keep those coming. If you go to iTunes and just tap on that five star, if you think that I deserve it, and leave a short note. And if you know what, if you think there's something I can do to really improve it, I'm also happy to hear that. So shoot me an email, Matthew at castingacross.com. But today we're going to talk about small stream warm water fly rods. So what do I mean by that? Well, it seems like such a simple way to fish, to go into a shallow stream that has panfish or smallmouth or rock bass or any sort of species like that and and just cast a woolly bugger or popper and catch fish. And the wonderful thing about fishing that way is that it is easy. 
it's really easy to get into fish, but just like anything else, taking it to the next level, whether that be catching a lot of fish, catching the biggest fish, maybe catching the fish that are a little bit smarter, a little more cagey than other ones, that's going to require a little bit more energy and effort. And when it comes to fly fishing, it's going to require skill. And one of the best ways to augment your skill is to use the right gear. I think that's the great way to think about gear in general, is that a great angler is going to be able to do a lot. A great angler with great gear is going to be able to do virtually everything. So, you know, buying the $900 fly rod is not going to make you a great caster. It may improve your casting a little bit, but actually there are certain situations where having a really specialized and high-end fly rod, whether that be because it's fast or has a very delicate tip, is going to exacerbate the problems that you have in your cast. It's not going to correct them. So this is not necessarily a one-size-fits-all, spend a little bit more money, catch more fish kind of proposition. But that being said, you want to make sure that your gear fits what you're doing. And so I'm pretty confident that you'll get by catching panfish and bass and even some smaller carp and some other species on your local warm water streams and even ponds with your trout gear. You're going to do okay with that eight and a half foot five weight. But if you're going to be doing a lot of fishing like this, you probably want to invest in something that's a little bit more specialized, a little bit more uniquely designed for what you're going to be doing. Because at the end of the day, you, you want to have a good time out there. You don't want to have every cast require a significant compensation to your stroke to throw a little bit heavier fly, a little bit more wind-resistant fly, or maybe even something on the end of your fly line, like a poly leader, those three to four foot sections that are weighted that will get your fly down, where if you're fishing the bigger streamers and you're wanting to fish like that sculpin imitation and drag it across the bottom, you're going to want that fly line, which could be a floating fly line on your normal five weight setup. You're going to want something that, to get that down. So you start finding these compounding variables where the fly is a little bit heavier, the fly is a little bit more wind resistant, you got to cast a little bit further, you want to get it down and at that point you're going to say you know what I'm going to need to make some changes to my entire setup and a lot of times that starts with the fly rod. So I think the other thing that's worth mentioning before I get into this is that you know trout are not the only species that demand fly fishing nuance. It could be your location or it could be your preference but anglers do routinely pursue species like bass. And it isn't necessarily, like I said, those giant smallmouth rivers or a huge largemouth bass pond. Our nation's covered with small streams that contain robust populations of bass and other warm water fish. And typical bass fly gear will work for small streams, small or rock bass or shoal bass. Well, what's that? Typical bass fly gear, I would say is seven eight weight for smallmouth and eight, nine, and even 10 weight for largemouth. Again, you look at a really big articulated streamer, something that could be thrown for musky and 10, 11 weights aren't out of the question, but you look at some of those divers, those deer head diver, uh, deer hair headed <laughs> flies, those require a lot of umph and a nine weight is maybe necessary for that. But because you think the same flies that you're going to be casting into the surf are going to be flies that you're casting in for big largemouth. But for smallmouth, a seven or an eight weight often does the trick, except for with the largest poppers and some of the largest streamers. And if you're targeting those largest fish, then that's the kind of gear that you're going to be using. And honestly, 
I don't have a problem if I'm throwing a popper all day for smaller fish on a smaller stream using an eight weight because, and I've said this ad nauseum and you might be tired of hearing it, but I think it needs to be said over and over again. You're still going to feel that fish fight. Just recently I was out with my eight weight fishing for bigger fish and I hooked into a panfish that probably was a little bit longer than my hand. Like its, its face was over my fingertips and its tail was resting on my wrist. But that thing in the current had my rod bent over. I thought for sure I was into a decent sized bass. And this is a pretty stiff eight weight. So again, I, I don't want to make it sound like you need to find this perfect six weight to kind of spoil the, the end of the story. If you want to fish for warm water fish in smaller creeks, because if you have an eight weight you love and you can cast really well with it, you're going to be fine fishing with that rod. But again, if you know you're going to be getting into smaller fish and maybe you're going to be fishing smaller poppers and smaller flies, then it is worth looking at what you have in your closet, or maybe making investment on finding that right fly rod. So I'm going to go through a couple of different criteria that I've thought of as I've looked at my closet and as I've purchased fly rods. So right now, to be completely transparent, I have two rods that I use in this type of fishing more than any other. One is a nine foot, six weight graphite rod, and one is an eight and a half foot, six weight fiberglass rod. Those are my almost exclusively the rods that I will turn to when I am fishing on small streams for panfish and smaller bass. Once I get onto the big river, I jump up to that eight weight. It's just the, the casting. It's not even the flies. It has nothing to do with the fish. It's the casting. It just makes casting easier to switch that eight weight. But on a smaller stream, when I'm making maybe those 20 to 40 foot casts more routinely than like the 30 to 50 foot casts, or when I know I'm not going to be throwing huge flies where even the larger fish in that system are going to be okay targeting a, you know, maybe like a size four or two popper as opposed to jumping up to a, a really big popper, then I'm going to stick with that six weight. So there's nothing magical about six weight. You can have an incredibly stiff five weight that's going to do exactly what a six weight is going to do. You can have a very soft seven weight that's going to do a lot of what a six weight is going to do, but that's kind of that magic spot that I think works really well. And so the great thing about that is that a lot of you probably have this rod sitting in your closet as your trout rod. It might have been your first trout rod. And I actually find that a lot of quote unquote first trout fly rods do very well for this type of fishing because you probably got something that was a little bit bigger, a little bit more powerful, maybe because it was on the lower end, a little bit stiffer in the, the butt section to assist in casting and kind of of that medium fast action, which is a great action in, in my opinion, for throwing larger flies and maybe with, with even a little bit of weight or wind resistance. So anyway, that's the kind of the end of the story. So what are some of the criteria to look at within that? The first thing I'd say is have enough backbone, but not too stiff. So and I've said this a number of times before that warm water tactics, they deviate from most of your trout fishing because of the fly patterns. They get bigger, they get heavier, and they get more wind resistant. And this is most uh, kind of encapsulated in the popper, the slider, deer hair bugs, things like that. You can just throw them out there and I'm sure we've all done that we've we've put a fly that was much too large on the end of our trout rod whether that be because we're trying to fish a mouse or we're just goofing around with a pop or something like that and you can get it out there just fine and and you're gonna make it splash which 
oftentimes is even better, you know, for the fish are going to turn up and look at it. But on smaller rivers, you're going to probably want some sort of precision, if not for making a more delicate presentation, but for putting that fly right where you want it. You want to put it next to the weeds, not in the weeds. You want to put it under the branch, not on the branch. And if you if, even if you tie your poppers, but certainly if you pay for them, if you, if you buy them from a fly shop, these are not flies you're going to want to lose all over the place. And so you're going to want something that's not just casting that, that uh, fly out there. You're going to want to be able to cast that thing with precision. And so having a rod with backbone, so something that is going to push in that not just that first bottom third like a really soft rod but up into the midsection of that rod so if it's a nine foot rod you know everything that is over your head up to like just right over your head is going to be not flexing a whole lot it's going to be the primary mover of that uh of that rod as it moves forward and then it starts to flex uh, where that maybe second to third ferrule is or in that third ferrule if it's a four-piece rod that's the kind of backbone that I'm talking about. And I know that's an incredibly subjective way to talk about it, but I think that's a, a casting feel thing that you, you probably are aware of. But at the same time, I don't want something that's too stiff. Okay. And, and the reason for that is you're going to want a little bit of play if you are fishing with for fish that might be smaller. So they're going to have more delicate mouths like panfish. But then also, I think it's great when you hook into a carp because they're going to be in these water systems quite frequently, and you're going to want something that you're able to really kind of put some some uh, muscle into that fish, and it's not going to uh, pull that hook out or it's not going to uh, you know snap if if it makes a good run. And that's the thing; these fish are oftentimes surprising in in how uh, powerful they are. Not just the carp, but also the bass and even the larger panfish. And in this kind of fishing. It is always such a mixed bag where you have a relatively small range of species and kind of sizes within a cold water system, generally speaking, and a warm water system that really opens up. And so you want to be able to cast to something much, much larger and something that's going to be a little bit more powerful, but then also to have that finesse to cast to something smaller and, and to be totally content with fishing for panfish all day if that's what you are presented with. So enough backbone, but not too stiff. The second thing is the numbers game. Uh, and this is what I said before, six weight. I don't have a problem fishing larger, don't have a problem fishing smaller, as long as it is kind of fulfilling that niche of the traditional six weight. Now, I, I kind of talked about the weight designations earlier, but there's one thing I is worth mentioning. If you aren't nymphing for warm water fish, and fishing dry flies, like traditional dry flies, not poppers, gurglers, sliders, things like that, but a traditional, just uh, even a cat's skull pattern, a really bushy one, of course. But if you're not fishing nymphs and dries for warm water fish, you're missing out on an incredibly fun way to fish over either spooky fish, selective fish, or fish that are actively feeding the way that most fish feed, feed during their life, which is to insects that aren't going to put up a fight, like a crayfish or a helgramite or a dragonfly. So a six weight allows you to make those longer casts with that dry fly or to throw a weighted nymph rig in a way that maybe that five weight isn't going to do as well. Now, again, are we splitting hairs? Of course, a stiffer five weight will be able to do that. If it's a five weight that you cast beautifully, it's going to be able to do that. 
but I really like having that six weight to be able to throw a longer cast with a bushy dry fly and make those presentations to smallmouth that are sipping mayflies. It is so much fun and having a stiffer, heavier rod that can make a good solid dry fly presentation, not just whipping the thing out there, but putting it right where you want it is going to be a lot of fun and, and I think is, is one more reason to consider the six weight. Third thing, so first said backbone, not just stiff. Secondly, that six weight is kind of my target. The third thing is that length doesn't matter that much. However, if this is a smaller stream, you might need to consider what kind of cover and what kind of riparian vegetation you're dealing with. Um, if there's totally wide open spaces, nine footer, awesome, go for it all day. That gives you the opportunity to mend, that gives you the opportunity to really generate a lot of line speed when you're throwing those heavier flies, something with a, a cone head on it, for example. But if you are waiting and you are up against the banks, you might need to look at an eight and a half foot fly rod. So this is great for if you're fishing under limbs. It's great for if you're fishing around rocks. If you have, if you lose that half foot, it allows you to kind of make some reaches with your casts in ways that uh, you have a little bit more control. You know, if you have a lot of space to work, then having a nine foot fly rod is totally fine. Having a nine and a half foot or a 10 foot fly rod is totally fine. But if you're working in confined spaces, you're not just working about your forward cast, your presentation cast, but you're also having to pay attention to your back cast. And I've talked about before on small streams, I like a stiffer small stream fly rod because it allows me to control my loops, keep them tight so that I can cast up into a canopy and fit it into a little window before I make my presentation. And oftentimes I think that's just as important. It's the same situation here. If you're fishing on a smaller stream and there's overhanging branches, having the eight and a half foot rod that has that backbone that we talked about earlier, you're able to make that back cast and keep that fly line somewhere where you're not going to get hung up. And you're going to then be able to make that forward cast into a potentially tight spot. And that's where these fish are going to be living. These are going to be opportunistic fish, but they're also going to be fish that are living in an ecosystem that has snapping turtles and raccoons and ospreys and bears and everything else. And so they're not dumb fish. Just because bluegill hit pretty much anything, the biggest ones didn't get big because they were lucky. More often than not, they got big because they made a couple of good choices and they had a couple of close calls. And so you're going to need to make a real presentation, not just put the fly out there. So those are my three things plus some to think about when you look for a warm water small stream fly rod. As I said before, there's a very good chance that you have that kind of stiffer, nine foot six weight in your closet already because that is a very common rod that a lot of new anglers have and if you've graduated to something that's much lighter or much more responsive or maybe you've gone to a bamboo rod or a fiberglass rod that that casts for you in that situation for trout bust out your old graphite rod because if it is of a lower modulus and it is a little bit uh, stiffer in the butt section and it is a, maybe a slower action than you want for, for casting longer dry fly presentations for trout on big rivers, this may very well be the perfect rod for going out on a small stream or a pond or even a little bit bigger river when you're targeting medium to smaller sized warm water fish. This kind of fishing 
I it relaxes me. If I've had a stressful day at work, I don't want to go crawl on my hands and knees and try to figure out some trout that are behaving incredibly uh, intelligently for a, a relatively simple organism. I want to throw a small buggy little panfish bug and fight a bunch of uh, dinner plate sized panfish. That's my idea of relaxation. And so I don't want to spend a ton of money on gear. I'd rather spend time fishing, but I want to make sure I'm fishing with the right thing and I've picked the right thing. And so hopefully this is some good information for you or at bare minimum, it just spurs you to get out there and do it more and maybe reconsider what gear you're using. If you have been using, you know, going out with your three weight because it's so much fun to have that panfish double over your rod. That's true. And you can get by with a three weight. Your cast is going to be a little less technically sound. You're going to be having to do some crazy things with your wrist and your elbow to really throw that popper with that seven foot three weight. You can get it done. And I have no problem with that. And I do that. I actually have a, a five foot five weight. It is a, um, Fenwick, um, glass rod from the late 1960s, a five foot five weight. And it's incredibly cumbersome, but I love having that thing bend over and it almost looks like one of those old ugly stick ads where the thing's bent like three inches above my thumb on the cork and it's fun but I don't want to fish with that thing all day because you have to really make some very um, complicated changes to your cast to get it to cast where you want it and how you want it so get the right gear as long as you have it or you can afford it this week on castingacross.com. Two articles. The first one that came out was called Explore by Fishing the Other Bank. Explore by Fishing the Other Bank. Now, this is something I talked about in last week's podcast, but we sometimes get in the habit of always fishing the bank with the trail on it. This might be because you have to because of the law or property rights because the other side is a steep drop-off. But there's other times where we simply do it just out of convenience. You'd be surprised what you learn about the stream you're fishing if you come at it from another angle it might be the wrong angle but you will learn so much about kind of where you should be fishing if you're walking on top of it you're gonna spook some fish you're gonna not have a productive of a day if this is the case but you're gonna learn about that side of the stream now that's whether you're fishing from the bank or you're fishing waiting Um, the other side of it is that you're going to see your stream in an entirely different light and you're going to potentially see spots on the side that you usually walk in on or you cast from that may very well be great holding spots for fish. Uh, I had that experience uh, a number of years ago where I saw a huge fish rising uh, in the spot that I was working towards to stand in and and cast from for an, an evening hatch. And I just blew my mind because it was incredibly shallow and it was sandy. But in in hindsight, there's a little seam that put food right in front of that fish. And there was overhanging branches. I mean, they were 10 or 12 feet up. And so I could like stand underneath it and, and still cast pretty well. But that provided that fish with a steady supply of food and cover from the avian predators that were on that stream. So I was going to stand there and said I was casting to a fish. Can't remember if I caught it or not. Let's just assume I did. Wednesday's article is called Magnetique Fly Attraction. So Magnetique, um, and uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about them here at the end of the podcast and the recommendation also. But uh, they approached me because I actually reviewed a product uh, last year that is 
basically a copy of their product. And I didn't know it at the time. And I try to think the best of people and I try not to get involved in the drama of anything, let alone the fly fishing industry. But I talked to the both parties and it does look like this Magnet Eek fly fishing patch, a little magnetic fly patch, is the original product. And so I have taken down some of the information about the other product and I did this review of the Magnet Eek fly patches. Now they're not truly patches, they're little magnetic discs that attach to a metal plate that you put on the inside of your shirt, inside of your vest, pack, waders, hat, and then the rubberized magnet cup. One is a single, one is a double, goes on top of it. Now I like this. Uh, I've been using a version of this for a long time. I've been using the ones from Magnet Eek. It's Magnet-IQUE, and they're a British company, and that's why they're not well known in the United States, but they are the original makers, uh, designers of this style of product. It's, it's in really ingenious because the design is unobtrusive, and it's so it's not going to get hung up on your line or you're not going to whack it but even if you do it's cupped and so the flies are recessed in it so they're going to be protected from your hand your fly line or streamside vegetation really cool product it goes anywhere I've, I've used them on my waders i've used them on my tying bench i've used them on a hat i've used them on my sling pack and what i really like about it and i don't want to spoil kind of my favorite use of it but it's in the article and that's the header image I love it because it not only holds flies, but it anchors my gear to it. So my nippers, my forceps, uh, even like my float and holder, anything that's that's metal is going to kind of rest up against it because I hate things jingling and uh, getting, you know, bobbing around and getting hung up on streamside vegetation as I'm cutting through brush to get to the water. So it's a really cool product. I was happy to review it, happy to get to know uh, the folks that designed it uh, a little bit better. And I would say the patches from Magnet Eek are my recommendation for this week's podcast. So if you go to the article on the website, Fly, Fish, Fly Attraction, Magnet Eek, uh, you see at the bottom there's a link to their, their website. Uh, the small, the Mag Micro, which is uh, like the size of a bottle cap, it's 13 bucks. And it comes with a couple different base plates that you can you can choose from. And this one's great if you're to put it on a hat or on your waders. And then the um, Mag Mini is the double one that comes either one-sided or two-sided. And this one is the one I have in my sling pack. Uh, it could go on a wader strap. Just incredibly versatile little products. And like I said, even if you are just changing a fly out and you want to set it somewhere while you prep your tippet, this thing for 13 bucks does it incredibly well and you're not going to accidentally whack it and lose it. Uh, and so I, I think that simple and easy things that accomplish a task and don't get in the way and you don't have to fuss with are worth a couple of bucks. So 13 bucks uh, plus a couple of dollars shipping and handling and really speedy shipping, even though it's coming from uh, across the ocean, is worth it in my opinion. So you can find a link to Magnet Eek and the two products I mentioned on the show notes for this podcast page on castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.